recording this at 4.20 in the afternoon on January 9th, 2021, which means we are less than 100 hours from NHL hockey once more. So by the time you hear this, the Oilers may have been eliminated from playoff contention. Welcome to the Battle of Alberta podcast, the hockey show that is so glad to be back after a 107-day offseason. And if you think that is bad, let me just remind you that the current CBA was supposed to expire this year, So, but for the grace of Bettman, it could have been a lot worse. I'm Stuart Jones, the Oilers fan of the show, and with me is Darren Plett, the Flames fan. Welcome, Darren. Hello. So, it's been a while, hasn't it? Well, apparently give or take 107 days that that is a lot longer than i would have assumed it feels like it's been the longest off season ever but actually that's shorter than most off seasons i actually looked into this because i don't know i guess i have nothing better to do with my time but yeah usually <laughs> it's like 110 120 days so i don't know why it feels like it's been years since hockey happened possibly because we weren't entirely certain if the next season was ever going to come so it made it seem a lot longer than it actually was yeah that's that's definitely probably a portion of it um also maybe we just didn't care as much about those uh last two teams that were playing uh, but we won't go back into that let's focus on the future shall we <laughs> <laughs> i like the future much better yes yeah, so hockey is coming back. It's uh, starting again on January 13th. Um, I don't know about you, but I wasn't sure this was actually going to happen. Back in October, they said, oh, yeah, we're totally going to start again January 1st. And I said, ha, good one. And then now they're actually going to be starting January 13th, mind you. But hey, that's I'm very impressed with how this has all come together. Uh, it's going to be a little bit different, though. So... <laughs> For those not in the know, Canada and the U.S. are at war right now. So the border is closed and littered with landmines. Whoa. Whoa. All right. All right. So maybe that's a bit of an exaggeration. But either way, for some reason, unbeknownst to us, they're trying to avoid international travel. I'm sticking with the Canada and U.S. are at war, but it might be other things. That sounds likely so, to me. I hadn't heard that, but I, I can get by that rumor. I can get behind it. Yeah, exactly. Right. So... You know, like I said, landmines across the border. They don't want, you know, losing a Kachuk brother or some sort of uh, explosion uh, during international travel. So <laughs> the NHL Who doesn't want. Lose. Wait a second. Who doesn't <laughs> want to lose a Kachuk brother? I, f I feel like the majority would like to lose a Kachuk brother or two. Yeah, that, uh, that's fair. Maybe that was the wrong name to use there. But <laughs> 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 Anyways, so. To avoid international travel for whatever reason, the NHL has smartly decided to realign the teams into three American divisions and a Canadian-only division known as the Scotia NHL North Division. Ooh. Ooh. And all games are going to be played, uh, well, all games played in the regular season will be played within that division. So what this means for us as fans of the Oilers and the Flames and us as a podcast about the Battle of Alberta, that means in a condensed 56 game schedule, the Oilers and Flames only have uh, six opponents each throughout the year and we get a whopping 10 Battle of Alberta games. How it's cool like, is this, Darren? It's like this season was designed with us in mind. I saw, like, I didn't even think of the ramifications to the podcast until a friend brought it up, which seems odd. But they were like, hey, guess what? You guys will have a ton of battles of Alberta. And I was like, oh, yes, we will. That will be 
that will be insane. Not to mention all the other fan bases growing to hate each other. It's going to be absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, I I totally love this idea. Like listeners of this podcast know that I will rave about two things. One of them is obviously Patrick Maroon, but I won't talk about him at all today. (laughs) (laughs) But the other thing is a schedule that better emphasizes rivalries. So not only am I extremely excited about the 10 Battle of Alberta games, but also like the building of new rivalries, such as when the Oilers and the Maple Leafs have three games in a row against each other within a span of five days. And then we play them again another seven times or something. It's that's just going to be so much fun. I get what the NHL usually tries to do. And we all get to see, you know, Crosby come to town at least once and Ovechkin come to town and, by extension, the Florida Panthers come to town. But, like, uh, you know, that's, like, not that exciting to me, uh, especially since no one's going to these games anyway, so we're only watching them on TV. <laughs> so might as well be the same teams uh, fighting it out and uh, really, you know, starting to hate each other. And as much as I hate hate, I love that idea. So I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Do you really want to have the chance to see Crosby or Ovechkin once a year in person? Or would you rather go to a game knowing that it's going to be a giant rivalry and it's going to be a smash hit of a game no matter what? Like, who cares if Crosby or Ovechkin isn't there? If you're a rival team is playing, the stands are going to be riled up. You know the play on the ice, even if it's a blowout or something, there's going to be fights and, like, absolute mayhem. I would much rather see... Cassie and a Kachuk mix it up six times a year, then see Crosby come into town once. And I mean, just to be clear, I don't think I've ever seen Crosby come into town because I wouldn't be able to get tickets to that game. But still, I'm I am so on board for this rivalry thing. And not to mention the building rivalries, but I think that everyone in Canada is just gonna hate the Flames. I've realized this. <laughs> Not only do the Flames not get much positive press because we're kind of the villains, we're going to be the villains to everybody now just because of Matthew Kachuk. And Canada is going to rally against the city of Calgary, which I think is going to be fun and amazing, personally. Yeah, I I think it's going to be great. Uh, You know, you forget there is another Kachuk in Canada, so you might not be, you might be tied for most hated team, right? That's true, yeah. But, you know, but, the team has to have be a little bit good to back it up, too, right? Ooh, wow, shots fired. Oh, yeah, shots fired at Ottawa. Like, really? <laughs> hey, I'm saying the shots are fired. I'm not saying, you know, they wouldn't expect it or anything, but... <laughs> Well, anyway, so that's how the schedule is looking for the next few months. We're going to have a lot of hockey again, uh, lots of games on every day. It's going to be lots of fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Sounds like you are too. But uh, the question is, so what exactly have our teams been doing in the offseason to prepare for that? Uh, You want to start with the Flames, Darren? Yeah, so... uh... Even though I'm a, I would call, I would say a fairly hardcore uh, hockey fan, I still had to do a, a bit of research to refresh myself on what happened because the world's crazy and sports are crazy right now. But I think I got myself caught up, so I'll try to get everyone else caught up. So the first thing that happened after the playoffs and and Tampa Bay won definitely with an asterisk definitely uh, is that the NHL draft went on and 
personally for the flames i think it was a really good draft now they've actually been having pretty good drafts all around as of late and i base that on guys that are like in lower rounds coming up and making a difference like dube was a second round pick manjipani was a sixth round pick uh, rasmus anderson was a second round pick so that's you know that's pretty promising it's good to see when picks that are below the first round are making an impact so i have quite a bit of faith in the flames in the draft and i have even more faith after this one because in the first round the flames had the 19th pick and when it got to their turn we had old batman stride up to the podium and say there's a trade to announce and everyone gets all excited and what happened is what most people would declared to be quite a boring trade but i think it's exciting uh it's the flames actually traded down from 19th and got the 22nd and 72nd pick if you remember that i don't know if you remember that Stu. were you watching the draft i do remember that i was very impressed by these moves because calgary made a few of those and i yeah really like that idea yeah, so Calgary didn't have a third-round pick going into the draft because Brad Treliving has a tendency to trade away lower picks uh, before the playoffs start. But he got one back when he traded down from 19th to 22nd, and he picked up an extra third-round pick. So to me, that's like, that's great. You're making picks out of nothing, essentially. Uh, and then it got to the 22nd pick, which the Flames now held, and they traded down again to pick 24 and picked up another third-round pick. And I can't speak for other fans. I assume there were some that were probably enraged and some were confused, but I was ecstatic because to me that says whoever's drafting knows exactly who they want and they know they can squeeze a few extra third round picks out of other teams. And that's just essentially stuffing more raffle tickets in your pocket. And I am so down with that. So they got the 72nd and 80th pick overall just by trading down. They selected Connor Zary at 24th, and I mean, he's a prospect. I'm not going to sit here and tell you how great he is, but uh, <laughs> just from watching like highlights in the World Juniors, uh, what I can tell you is he looks kind of like Sean Monaghan-esque in that he's a taller guy. He kind of skates the same, but Connor Zary seems more like a playmaker than a shooter, but... He scores a lot of points in the WHL. He's a bigger body that kind of moves like Sean Monaghan. And a lot of people thought it was a really good pick. A lot of people who know a lot more than me thought this could end up being very good. So I'm happy. And the Flames picked up two young defensemen with those third round picks. So to me, that's a that's an excellent draft. I It, it shocks me that we don't see that more in the NHL, that trading down to get extra picks sort of thing. But I'm happy the Flames were one of the teams that kind of latched onto it in this draft. Um, what, what did you think of this Flames draft? And also, what did your Oilers do during the draft? Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think that's that's a really smart move. Like, uh, you know, unless you're taking within maybe the top five of that first round, you know, it's fairly equal players what you're going to be getting in the sort of mid to late first round. So like you said, if, if you know what you want and when he's, you know, not going to go, then just you're basically, like you said, creating extra draft picks down below out of midair. And that's, I think that's a really smart move. I was pretty impressed by not only the fact that they did that once, but they did it multiple times. Yeah. 
uh, with Edmonton, uh, you know, I was trying to think back to the draft and couldn't figure out why I didn't remember many of Edmonton's picks. And, and then, uh, and then it's because they barely made any. (laughs) So they, they took Dylan Holloway in the middle of the first round, who I think will be a good two way forward in a few years. He's, uh, playing college right now. Um, so yeah, interesting name, uh, to watch. That'll be good. But then I think Holland must have slept in the next day because we didn't pick again until the fourth <laughs> round. So, uh, you know, as much as Calgary was picking up all these third rounders, uh, you know, some of them must have been from Edmonton originally because we didn't have anything until the fourth round. <laughs> At which point, uh, you know, Holland grabbed half a dozen more forwards and just called it a day. And, you know, like you said, I, I'm no professional scout, so I didn't even bother learning the, you know, six forwards we picked in the fourth and later <laughs> rounds because I might need to know who they are one day, but me telling you anything about them today is not going to do much. So, yeah, our draft wasn't super exciting, um, but yeah, you know what? We're, I think we're fine. <laughs> we're doing okay. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. Yeah, we're not exactly a draft prospect analysis podcast. There's places to go for that. <laughs> if I were to get into that, I would just be regurgitating something someone else said. And it's funny that you said Calgary must have gotten one of Edmonton's picks because actually that Milan Lucic uh, real deal Neil trade, Calgary gets a pick from Edmonton for that, which was a whole debate because of the season ending earlier. But Edmonton deferred that till next year. So Calgary will get next year Edmonton's third round pick. And I believe Edmonton spent another second round pick on Andreas Athanasiu at last year's trade deadline. So I guess Ken Holland will get to sleep in next year too. Yeah. He, he must have some like superstition against the second and third round. I don't know what it is. (laughs) Maybe he's been blackmailed. We'll never know. I think we can move on to free agency though. Did the Oilers do anything super interesting over free agency? Did they finally get that depth? Everyone wants. Um, kind of, I don't know if I'd say super (laughs) interesting. So the free agency period slash the, et cetera, the everything else in between draft and the start of this season, you know, Holland hasn't made a ton of waves, which, which I'm okay with, you know, we have a pretty good team. I I swear it's true. Don't, don't ask Chicago what they think about our team, but, uh, (laughs) it is a pretty good team. So like, it doesn't need to be blown up just some small tweaks. Um, you know, Pooley has been re-signed and is actually going to play for the Oilers this time around. So I hope that works out well, but I'm pretty sure we've already talked about that. So, you know, won't go into detail there. Uh, they signed Mike Smith for another one year. Let's see how much longer this corpse will actually stop pucks kind of deal. <laughs> oh boy. So that's fun. You know, that'll be interesting to see how that works out. Um, you know, James Neal is on day to day for undisclosed reasons. Sources say it's because he has a terrible case of old, but uh, <laughs> or not giving a crap. <laughs> yeah, One that might be a, might be a combination. But but our our biggest problem uh, in the off season going into this year, as it kind of has been for quite a few, has been defense. And with Green retiring in the off season and Clefbaum out for the entire season, Holland's biggest move was to sign free agent Tyson Berry to a one-year deal. Uh, he's a 40 point D man, or at least, you know, around there has potential for that. 
Uh, and he's, uh, he's an interesting pick. I, I think he's got, he, he's got hopes that his, uh, his right-handed shot and uh, his shoot first mentality, uh, can even further improve on last year's league leading power play for the Oilers. So, um, you know, there's definitely a good piece, uh, that the team might be missing. I think this is a smart move for Holland to sign him to a one-year deal, because uh, you know Barry's now motivated to prove himself, so he's going to be working extra hard to contribute to the team's success. And if he does do that, then it's going to be easy deal between the two of them um, to make a, a new deal next summer. So uh, I'm excited for that. I I would like to see that work out well, but uh, I think it's a smart move to only be a one-year deal because if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Uh, I think this makes him very highly motivated. And like I said, uh, I think it's, I think it's going to be interesting and should work out well. Yeah. It's interesting that Barry is the one that signs with the Oilers because I mean, the Oilers could either get actual defensemen and load up and become a more defensive team, or they could just double down on offense and become the scariest, biggest goal-scoring machine in the league. So that kind of seems like what they did by adding Barry to their power play. It's it's not going to be so much, okay, the Oilers improved a lot on defense. It's going to be like, okay, well, we, we didn't do so well last year, so now we're going to outscore you even more. So I think pretty much every game with Edmonton is just going to be an absolute firework show, which is going to be amazing. Yeah, definitely a bit of a doubling down on our strategy there, but uh, I, I'm okay with it. It's ex- It makes for exciting hockey, that's for sure. Yeah, it'll be a fun strategy. Uh, the Flames did kind of go in the opposite direction to that. So this is crazy. Everybody listen up. You may have heard this, but I'm going to reiterate it. The Flames actually have a goaltender. <laughs> one that is an, a, a number one goaltender. I almost said elite. Let's not get ahead of ourselves here. <laughs> one that's a, a quite a good number one goaltender and isn't a giant question mark going into this season. Uh, his name is Jacob Markstrom. He used to play for the Canucks, but we gave him a real good shower, scrubbed him down, and now he's a flame for the next six years. Uh, this is this is definitely what I'm most excited about from the offseason because it's been since Kiprasov, since 2013, that the Flames have had a really legit number one goalie, and they've just churned through so many random goalies in the meantime that it's been kind of depressing to watch. Some of them have been, you know, pretty good. Some of them have been really not good, but to have someone locked up for six years is amazing. And, you know, you'll hear a lot of debate over whether Markstrom was a product of Vancouver being good or whether Vancouver was a product of Markstrom being really good. And it seems like it leans more to the latter. Uh, He had an excellent season last year and the year before. And apparently all of the advanced stats gurus say that he is really well equipped to stop the kinds of shots that the Flames give up. Now, there's a whole bunch of math and statistic nonsense around that, but basically it means that the Flames, when they give up shots, it's really high danger stuff, which doesn't sound very good, but that's what (laughs) he's really good at stopping. And Markstrom is basically immune to dumb goals, which is what the Flames had been, you know, cursed with the last while. They get a really great game from their goaltender and then, something would bank in off the sideboards and it would be so, so crushing. And that's apparently what Marks was really good against. So theoretically he will match up really well with the flames and they finally have an answer and goal. And because Calgary 
got this really great goaltender from Vancouver. They're like, hey, maybe we can get everybody else from Vancouver too. Maybe we could do that. So they signed Chris Tanev, a defenseman, for four years. Uh, he's a really a defense first guy. There's the jury's going to be out on that contract. Apparently, it might might not be good right off the bat, but uh, I'll be happy to wait and see. Apparently, he'll be great with the younger players, and he's an excellent defenseman. But he might be slowing down a little bit, and he gets injured a lot. So keep an eye out for that this season. Uh, moving on, they got Josh Levo, who was in Vancouver last year. He's kind of a all around the lineup player that was in Toronto, but didn't get very good breaks there. And then went to Vancouver and started to have a really good breakout and then got injured. So he could be very good if he gets consistent time. And then from then on, it was a lot of depth signings, uh, depth defensemen, depth forwards that you'll see throughout the season. Guys like Dominic Simon, who I'd never heard of before he signed with the flames. Nikita Nesterov, never heard of him before he signed with the flames. So on and so forth. And as I was scrolling through the transactions, trying to refresh myself on this, I came across Andrew Manchapani re-signed, and I totally forgot about that. Like, completely <laughs> forgot about that. I was like, oh, yeah, he was a re restricted free agent. So Andrew Manchapani's back. He's back for two years at $2.4 million, and that could be an absolute steal for those two years. Um, again, with the advanced stats, since I know everyone loves to hear them. Uh, it turns out he's one of the best Flames players at five on five by quite a wide margin. Like he scores all of his goals at five on five and he is very impressive advanced stats. So if he gets more opportunity, allegedly he will be a top line player, which sounds great to me for $2.4 million for the next couple of years. And that's pretty much how the Flames shook out this off season. Just a lot of signings. But again, the main takeaway a goalie, a goalie. I can't believe it. Yeah, that's that sounds nice. You're gonna have to tell me what that what that's like. Well, you can experience it with us in approximately ten games this year. Yeah, that won't be as nice on that end of uh, <laughs> that goalie. But yeah, you'll have to tell me what it's like to have that goalie on your team instead of shooting against that goalie. So it'll be an interesting litmus test to see the firecracker Edmonton Oilers go against what the Calgary Flames hope is their new brick wall. It'll, that'll be a nice little subplot to the Battle of Alberta. Yeah, it's true. That, that will be fun for sure. Now it is time for Sellies and Scorns. Stu, which one would you like to lead us off with? Well, I'll lead off with my Selly because I've really already sellied it, but it's just that good that I have to sell it again. And it's this whole divisional alignment and the schedule for this year. It is just so freaking cool that we're going to be facing Calgary 10 times this year. We're going to be facing Vancouver probably roughly 10 times. I didn't actually count that one out, but we're going to be facing all these Canadian teams so many times that there's just going to be so much animosity and just so much exciting hockey going on. Uh, I've said this before on this show, the one thing I really, really like about baseball. And yes, there's one thing it's the, <laughs> the, the idea of series and building those rivalries uh, over the span of a few games uh, the NHL kind of actually tried to avoid that a little bit uh, for obvious reasons. They didn't want, you know, actual bloodshed. So they tried to split up those 10 games across the 50 game schedule. But 
like it's pretty hard to avoid the fact that this schedule is meant to build rivalries and it is going to be so much fun and uh, you know, I'm probably going to watch a little bit of the other divisions too, see what kind of rivalries they build up. Obviously, you know, Pittsburgh and Philly are in the same division. The two New York teams are in the same division. Uh, you know, stuff like that is going to be exciting all across the continent. But uh, I am really, really excited about this Canadian division. Oh, sorry. The uh, NHL. No, sorry. Hang on. The Scotia NHL North Division. Yeah, got to got to be official with that. Yeah, you can't you can't step out of line and call it the Canada division. We don't want that. No, uh, no. I'm going to go with my scorn because I just need to get this out, like, right now. Um, my scorn is for Jim Matheson, who is uh, an Oilers media personality. I'm going to – that's what I'm going to call him, personality. <laughs> uh, he tweeted the other day, no, it is not okay for a player to wear 98 in the city where 99 was made famous. <laughs> Don't care if it if it year Jesse was born. It is a bad look. Just acknowledge there are lots of other numbers and he has taken 13. Good for him and his new start. So what Jim Matheson is saying is that nobody should be allowed to wear 98 in Edmonton because it's adjacent to 99, which is a holy sacred <laughs> number worn by... The, our Lord Wayne Gretzky. But uh, the first commenter makes an excellent point here. So it's okay for Connor to wear 97. <laughs> True, right? Uh, I, it's kind of ambiguous here. I think this is a absolutely ridiculous take from Jim Matheson. It does not make any sense that someone shouldn't be able to wear 98 because it's adjacent to 99. I, I can't personally, I can't even really make fun of it properly because I can't, quite make sense of it in my brain why someone would think that way like at what point does it stop can you suddenly can you wear 95 is that the cutoff that ryan smith wore 94 and and nugent hopkins wears 90 like it's just absolute madness to suggest that wayne gretzky's numbers already retired across the entire league which i think personally i think is pretty cool i think that's a fun little quirk mm -hmm. if you want to call it that of the nhl and it's really neat but to say that Jesse Pugliarvi can't wear 98 because it's adjacent to 99, it's just, it actually made me facepalm when I read that. It's just so stupid. So Jim Matheson, you're my scorn. That's, I don't really think that's how numbers work. Yeah, I, I'm totally with you on that. That was ridiculous. It's not like he wanted 99, which as you said, no one throughout the entire league can take 99. So Gretzky does not need you backing him up, Jim. So <laughs> no, no, I think Gretzky himself would be totally fine with someone wearing 98. He'd be fine with someone wearing 99, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, probably my scorn. This episode is about the NHL uh, recently announcing the use of helmet ads or as they would like to call them, the entitlement partnerships, which first off, wow, talk about just <laughs> painting something yeah it rolls out right off the tongue right but anyways i'm just going to call them helmet ads because that's what they are but my scoring is actually not the fact that we now have helmet ads in the nhl uh my scoring is actually the people who are like claiming this is such a big deal who cares okay some of them look pretty bad Okay, some of them look very bad. <laughs> looking at some you, Pittsburgh. Them, yeah, looking at you, Pittsburgh, exactly. Some of them don't look that terrible. 
most of them you're not going to notice. Like, you know, we're not looking at these guys like very close up while they're playing all the time. So it's, we're not going to notice who really cares. And, you know, the NHL and all those teams, it is a business. Uh, They have employees that they're trying to pay, uh, not just the players. I know it's hard for us to sort of relate to, oh, I feel bad because Connor McDavid's not getting his 12 million this year or whatever. But, you know, (laughs) all of those teams have staff that they're trying to pay. They're trying to keep employed during this tough time. Money makes the world go around. You know, it's not the end of the world if I see PPG on Sidney Crosby's helmet and, you know, life goes on. Frankly, I know people are like, oh, this is a stepping stone to Jersey ads. Well, yeah, and Jersey ads may come. And frankly, I don't really care all that much about that. They're not going to completely block out the team's logo because that is, you know, an ad for the team itself. So anyone who understands anything about advertising knows that that's not going to happen. They're not going to like plaster, you know, Rexall pharmacies over top of the Oilers logo or anything like that. Um, but ads are going to happen. They've, they got introduced onto the boards, however many years ago, long before I think Darren and I were born (laughs) and we've just kind of gotten over that. Now they're on the helmets next year. Maybe they'll be on the jerseys. Maybe they won't be, but who really cares? It doesn't actually change the game. Uh, it just means that the NHL has enough money to actually have a season this year. So Awesome. Let's do that. I like hockey. Let's keep hockey going. Maybe it'll cost a little advertisement. Who cares? Yeah, as usual, I'm in complete agreement. We won't even notice. And if there's anyone listening to this that that is thinking, oh, but I will notice and I will hate it. Uh, as someone who is an NBA fan and watches basketball games, they've had uh, jersey ads for two years on much less real estate than mm-hmm. other sports jerseys. And it's not perceptible at all unless you pointed it out to me i think that north american sports uh sports leagues are so accustomed to having nothing on their jerseys that they do a pretty good job of hiding the ads that they put on their jerseys so trust me you won't notice after a little while so don't worry about it um and i guess i get to finish off with my selly uh and my selly is for the reverse retro jerseys that came out this summer now not necessarily for all of them because there were some pretty pretty bad ones in the mix shout out to teams like dallas that got shafted on the reverse retro and and the new york islanders which was there any changes to their normal jersey i'm not sure but just the overall idea of the reverse retros was really fun it was a nice break during the summer waiting for that to drop seeing calgary get their blasty jersey seeing Edmonton get their jersey, which as a Flames fan, I think it's pretty good. Edmonton's nice and clean. I have no problems with it. I can't even find anything to make fun about it. But it was really fun to talk with friends and other fans about it. It was a um, like a really good conversation starter. I found out that Stu and I completely disagree for once over, uh, <laughs> over oh, who was it? It's the Minnesota Minnesota's jersey. Yeah, I thought Minnesota's jersey is absolutely terrific and Stu thought it was absolutely terrible so yeah i think yeah. it was just honestly good fun and obviously the league's gonna make a bit of revenue out of it i would love a blasty jersey at some point because 
I think it's hilarious that the Flames have a, a horse that breathes fire and think that it's a good jersey. <laughs> it's it's just fun. So shout out to the league for making the reverse retros. It was a fun little break in the news cycle, and uh, there actually were some pretty good jerseys that came out of it as well. Yeah, I, I'm i with you there. I know I was surprised we actually disagreed on something. There's probably a few in there that we disagreed on, in fact, which was kind of fun because, as you said, that rarely happens with us. But I'm all for, you know, new jerseys. It's fun. It's it's a money-making opportunity for them. That's totally cool. Uh, again, I'm, I'm fine with the league making enough money to play hockey. That's good in my eyes. I thought there were some great ones. I thought there were some bad ones. I still don't fully understand what exactly reverse retro means. It sounds kind of redundant to me because I think those both mean kind of the same thing. So I maybe I'm the, mistaken I, there, but I'm kind of lost I, there. But The general idea was that you take an older jersey that the team wore at some point and reverse the color scheme somehow, like make the accent color the dominant color if you can or flip something about it, which was executed okay. well in some terms, but in other other teams just you know it didn't make any sense at all so just kind of a weird name for you know just new alternate jerseys that are based off of retro ideas i guess it's a bit wordy isn't it <laughs> yeah i suppose reverse retro rolls off the tongue a bit better okay well that makes sense that's a pretty decent explanation i appreciate that i looking at these i i do see a few where that makes sense but a lot of these, I'm, I'm not understanding that still, but <laughs> I, I believe your explanation anyway, so I guess I'll, I'll leave it at that. Now we get to do our predictions, and we'll be, do, we'll be predicting the games for each of our teams until the end of January. So, Stu, let's start off with the Oilers. How do you think the Oilers are going to fare so uh, I was just looking at this and realizing, wow, that's that division as fun as it's going to be. That's going to be tough. <laughs> like there's quite a few good teams or at least decent teams, at least as good as us <laughs> teams. Obviously, the Flames and Oilers, <laughs> I think, are, you know, fairly equal these days. Um, Canucks are quite good right now. Same with the Leafs. Jets are always a tough team to play. Senators might be that exception <laughs> to the rule. <laughs> yeah. And the Habs, you know, as much as, you know, they surprised a lot of people in the playoffs last year. So if they pull out that same fire, who knows, right? But uh, it's definitely going to be interesting because teams are going to be playing each other so often that you're going to see uh, them start to pick up on each other's play on each other's style and every team is going to have to learn how to adapt so i think this this year because of that is going to be a lot harder to predict i was going to say it's going to be a lot easier for us to predict because we're playing the same teams over and over so we should really know but huh. yeah i think there's going to be a lot of uh, adaptation and the teams that can adapt to other teams plays is, is going to be the successful one this year so all that to say i have no freaking clue this <laughs> <laughs> um, the disclaimer but, yeah, exactly. But I think, uh, you know, Oilers have 11 games coming up through to the end of the month. Um, most of them are basically double headers. Um, there's some teams like the Sanders. I think we can probably sweep those series. But most of these teams, I think we're probably just going to split it. Um, so I've got them winning six out of the 11 games. I also, as soon as I pulled up the schedule, I thought, how is it, how is it possible to predict hockey series in the regular season like we don't really have a basis for this 
I don't know how the Flames or the Oilers are going to do in three games against the Maple Leafs. Do they split? Does one team sweep? I don't know how this works. Uh, for the Oilers, listen, I'm a Flames fan. I don't have much faith in the Oilers. <laughs> I think teams are going to figure them out. I don't think the Oilers improved that much over the offseason, and they definitely didn't improve in goal. So I'm going to be a little less optimistic than you and say that the Oilers come out of the gates with five wins in those 11 games. I, I can definitely see the Oilers getting beaten up on because of their lack of defense. Like I said, fireworks games, very entertaining, but <laughs> I, I don't think they really added any defense in the offseason, and that's, in my mind, that's what they need. So I'm going to be a begrudging, or not even begrudging, just a grudge-holding rival and say they're not going to be over 500. But for the Flames, who for some reason only play seven games in the same time span as the Oilers' 11, uh, the Flames actually start out their schedule against the Jets. And if I throw this way back to, you know, the playoffs, remember those? Where Matthew Kachuk (laughs) viciously stomped on the heel of Mark Shifley and (laughs) single-handedly, maliciously ended the playoff dreams of the Jets. I have a funny feeling that's going to be a bit of a chippy game. And, you know, with that, with Kachuk probably being targeted and with the Flames' notorious propensity for always losing the first game of the season for some reason or another, they're absolutely going to lose that one. And the Flames always start the season poorly, and I don't see why that would change. So I have the Flames actually just being over 500 at 4-3. and three. Um like, I have them sweeping the Canucks for some reason. I don't know. Maybe it'll shell-shock the Canucks that suddenly their best goalies in the Flames net. Who knows? But the Flames never really get out to a great start, so I just have them just above 500 with four wins. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i pretty similar to you. Uh, I actually have them winning only three games out of it. Um, I was, again, agreeing with you know the thought that they don't start well, that Jets game... Yeah, I think the Jets are going to be pretty uh, unimpressed uh, and willing to fight. Um, I think, yeah, the Canucks will be interesting one. It'll it'll be really interesting to see how well the Canucks do without that goalie in net. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I gave them the benefit of the doubt, I guess, <laughs> that I, I think they're, they are a better team than everyone sort of believes them to be. Uh, well, not everyone. I think a lot of people think they are a good team. Yeah, after those first two games against the Flames, I think that'll really tell us what kind of team the Canucks are going to be this year. Um, so I, I'm interested to see where that goes. But yeah, I, I've got the Flames winning only three games out of their seven um, to start off the season. Okay, okay. So we just kind of flip-flop on the win totals for our teams. That's interesting. Yeah. I also would like to note that it's, you know, I kind of have a good feel for how the Flames match up against the other Western Conference Canadian teams, former Western Conference, but it's the Eastern teams that really throw me for a loop. Like, I just don't know how the Flames are going to play against the Leafs or the Canadians. I have no way of judging that, really. Yeah, especially since in the past several years, we've only played each of those teams twice, right? Once at home and once away. Mm-hmm. So to change that from two to near 10, that's going to be, um, that's going to be interesting for sure. So like I said before, many times looking forward to it. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's the beauty of this North division. Sorry, the Scotia North division. I think, wait, 
Is that what it's called? The Scotia North Division? I have to get this right. The Scotia NHL North Division. Oh, right. Scotia NHL North Division. I think that's the beauty of it is that we know it's going to be awesome rivalries between the Western Canadian teams, but now West and East Canada are getting drugged together in rivalries as well. And I think it's going to be absolutely lights out. So prepare yourselves, everybody, for an awesome season. everyone that's the end of the episode thank you so much for listening once again you can find all of our episodes at the battle of alberta podcast.com or wherever you find all the rest of your podcasts and podcast episodes please be sure to like rate and subscribe this episode and the others you listen to it really helps us get our listens up among other people and we will be back at the end of the month to review how poorly our predictions went and to update you with more Flames and Oilers news. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.